Welcome back to Sports Talk. I'm Jimmy Himes with Vince Farrar. We're pleased to be joined by the man that's joined us all year to help clear up college football rules, and there certainly are a lot of them out there, and that is SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines, selling building materials since anyone can remember, and they have celebrated their 100th anniversary earlier this year. Gerald, how are you? Doing well, Jimmy. Doing well. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that uh, so far you've had a great holiday and wish you a happy new year. Well, same to you and Vince. I have had been a great holiday and uh, probably watch a lot of football tomorrow. So, yes, uh, it, it's been good. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of things um, in regard to football. And, of course, if anybody has a question or comment, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Um, I uh, am watching a, a lot of replays this year. Uh, I wonder how much they don't always on TV show split screens, but sometimes they do. Is that a, a valuable tool for a replay official to see a split screen, to see one screen of where the knee is down and another screen of where the ball is in position to the ball carry when his knee does touch the ground? It has, Jimmy. Uh, that uh, came in you know, several years ago. Uh, there again, it depends on the camera's uh, We've been down some cameras all season just because of the COVID stuff. But if you have enough cameras, even though you don't have a pylon camera or something like that, uh, if you have the cameras available, the producers are really good about and they sync the camera. That's another big thing. They have to be in sync or, you're, you know, it doesn't help you. But, yes, the, the, the ability to have two cameras at different angles looking at uh, – you know, so one looking at the goal line, one looking at the runner, or you know, whatever it is, uh, then uh, you can uh, you know, piece them together and then stop them at the exact moment you want to stop them. Uh, it's just like even on a pylon camera, what, where that happens a lot, he breaks away for a 30 or 40 yard run. But in most cases, normal camera angles are not going to be on the goal line. But if you have a pylon camera, then you know it's really it's really good. You can just, you know, freeze frame it and uh, look at frame by frame on it. It's very valuable. All right. Um, let's go to the phones where Ron is our first caller for SEC replay official, Gerald Hodges. Hey, guys. Good night. Um, got a quick question for you, an odd one. We always see receivers catching the ball down the sideline, one foot in for college, two for pros, but in the case of a receiver jumping to catch the ball on the sideline, defender falls down, the receiver lands feet on the defender who's inbounds and then falls out of bounds without his feet ever touching. Is that considered a completion inbounds or out of bounds? Yeah, he, he would in that particular case, Ron, it's a really good question, but if the receiver or the defender is inbounds and he, he, you know, he comes down on him and then rolls out, then they would consider that a a completed catch inbounds. Okay. And if the defender was straddling the out-of-bounds side, what what would they rule? Were his feet on the inbounds part of the body or the out-of-bounds part of the body? <laughs> well, and of course, then, you know, he's not technically down, and then it, the rule reads if he touches anything other than a player or an official that's out-of-bounds, he's out-of-bounds. So in that particular case there, again, they would really have been bounds. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've been wondering that. 
good question. Rob, the reason being, you could have a defender that's out of bounds and a runner goes streaking down the sidelines and he could just reach in from out of bounds and touch the guy and make him out of bounds. So, you know, that that's kind of the reason that it has to be anything other than a player or an official. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Good question. Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's go to Bill. Bill, you're on with Gerald Hodges. Thank you. Uh, my question is about the free kick. The most opportune place to use that is on a safety kick, and possibly getting a short punt or a short kick. Uh, is it both a free? I mean, is it able to call a fair catch to try a field goal off of a punt? Or a kick? It used to be, Bill, but not anymore. That's correct. Ken Sparks used that in a game at Carson Newman one time, literally. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, taking that out of the rules. Well, and uh, from the previous caller, I remember Randall Cobb for the Packers stepping out of bounds and touching a kick and making it out of bounds and making an out-of-bounds kick so that they got the ball at the 40 instead of the 35. And that rule sort of goes along with what he was asking about. Uh, well, now, if a player is out of bounds and reaches inbounds and touches an air ball ball, it is out of bounds. That was a smart play yes, on his part. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. anybody standing with a, out, partially out of bounds is out of bounds. <laughs> Correct. Or, or on the sideline. He's just standing on the white line, and he touches the ball. Yeah, that's a loose ball, and it's uh, – it is out of bounds. That's correct. Well, I, that brings up a question. If the receiver was streaking down the sidelines and an out-of-bounds defender touches him and makes him out of bounds, does that mean that someone else has to touch the ball first before he can catch it? Is the ball looser? The, no, the, the, a player being out of bounds and reaching back and touching an inbounds player doesn't make him out of bounds. That, uh, okay, that's what I wanted to ask because I thought I misinferred what you said, but thank you very much. Oh, okay. Yes, sir, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you one. I, I saw uh, this was an NFL game, but I want to ask you how the college rule applies. Baker Mayfield on a quarterback sneak, he fumbles the ball about a foot short of the first down. A teammate of his picks his up, picks it up on fourth down, advances it for a first down. The NFL rule was that you cannot, an offensive player cannot advance an offensive fumble on fourth down, and so they ruled the ball dead right there and gave it to the other team. Would the same rule apply in college? Yes, Jimmy, it would. That, then that's a good question. Uh, it, the, that rule, of course, originated in the NFL with the, the old famous Kenny Stabler and uh, – Billy Casper deal where they did potentially fumble it forward into the end zone for a touchdown. So yeah. the rule reads, you know, it, it comes back to the spot of the fumble. Only the fumbler can recover a fumble and gain any yardage out of it. It's the same thing on yeah. the two-point try for points. Yeah, uh, Stabler and uh, Dave Casper, right? Yeah. Dave Casper, right. Billy's the golfer. He may not have been playing right. that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> Gerald, uh, I know in the NFL they have those special uh, K-balls, they call them, for kicking. And I saw a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, uh, there was uh, a, a crazy play at the end where, where I guess Washington was running out their, 
field goal unit and time was well, no, the official stopped the clock. And the reason is is because Alex Smith, the quarterback, thought that, oh, they got the K-ball coming in, so I'll just take this and take it to the sideline on my own. Well, the officials, I guess, didn't run in. They couldn't find the K-ball or, or that because they were rushing to get to the – to spot the ball, they were going to not use the K ball and just keep the same ball in play because Washington was hurrying up without a timeout. Well, because there was no ball, either one of them, they just stopped the clock. Uh, in in that scenario in in college, that's just up to the official to to make that determination, or or that wouldn't right because there there isn't a K ball specifically in college, right? There's not supposed to be. However, <laughs> the rule in college that I does say each team has the right to use their own brand of footballs or their own footballs. In a lot of cases in college games, both teams are using the same manufacturer of the ball, and there are different sizes of footballs that are legal. And uh, some of them like to let the air out of them a little bit. Those aren't legal, but that's another story. But the uh, if the offense that comes on the field has the right to snap their own football. So, and of course, in the pro, well, even college too, they have ball boys that are. I mean, that's their main responsibility is to make sure that when there is a change of possession, uh, they have the right ball on the field. Of course, typically anymore, eight out of ten times when you have a change of possession, you're going to have it a TV timeout. So, you know, there's three minutes, two and a half to three minutes to get the ball changed. But in the event, they come to the line of scrimmage and the center or quarterback, whichever one recognizes, hey, this isn't our ball, then they will stop the clock long enough to switch the ball. So that that is uh, that is true both in both college and pro. So that does happen where there's – I don't want to say issues, but there's maybe a slight delay in getting the right ball in because a team wanna might want to use their their own type of ball, so that that kind of overlap does happen. Yes, it could. It doesn't happen very often, but like I said, because of the time in between the plays. But especially in college, every school has a football that has their logo actually branded into it, so it's it's not too hard to tell them apart. But so, uh, just you know, occasionally you know, there's and one thing you'll end up if you got a team that throws a ball a lot, they don't catch them. You'll end up with a lot of one team's football, all of them on one side of the field, pretty much. And then they, you'll see them as if you, you know, if we get to go back to the game in person, you'll see the ball boys, and they're really good. They'll throw them back and forth across the end zone to keep you know two or three balls on either side of the field to get them in quickly. Interesting. Interesting. Occasionally in college football, you will get sideline warnings. How much of a, a discussion point is that for you guys, as, not just replay officials, but just officials in general, to try to keep coaches and personnel on the sidelines off that white paint and, and back where they're supposed to be? How much of a point of, of discussion and emphasis is that in today's college football? Well, it is quite a bit, Vince. Uh, and basically, in most cases, it's, it's the players. They just get excited and they you know, get a big play or something. They'll crowd up into the white. But uh, 
several years ago, Bert Ackerman, one of the great SEC officials here in Knoxville, actually got pinned on the sidelines in the Iron Bowl, the Auburn-Alabama game. There were players cried up, and the play came to his side. It just, you know, tore his knee all up, literally. And uh, mm. I've seen, actually, I've seen several sideline mornings just through the bowl season. But it's made that white, and technically, you know, there again, that white is it's supposed to be a no man's land. That's a three or three foot wide belt all the way from the end line to end line. There's not supposed to be anybody in there but the officials. But there again, you know, we don't, you know, try to police the coaches too bad as long as they're, you know, now if they're over there and an official going down the sideline runs into anybody, then it's an automatic 15 yard penalty, and that'll usually get them back. Usually the delay will get them back pretty well. And it's just there again, it's just to remind them to stay back off the white because they, they need that uh, sideline run up down the field. You have two officials on each sideline that really need that on long plays. Gerald, I was watching a game in which uh, uh, there was a punt returner who caught the ball, took off, ran several steps, and then he fumbled. Uh, the ball got batted back into the end zone, and uh, it was recovered in the end zone. Now, obvious to me that's a touchdown, but they got into a debate about whether or not when a punt returner is returning the football, uh, whether it's a muff, which we know you cannot advance a muffed football. Uh, so if he had fumbled, if he had muffed it on the twenty, then you can't advance it. If he fumbles it after he's become a ball carrier, you can't advance that. Correct. So the distinction is that, is that punt returner becomes a ball carrier. That that's a live ball then, right? Yeah, yeah. The easy way to remember that, Jimmy, is they you know they taught us in high school, and it for some reason managed to stick with me all these years. But basically, the the rule states that a kick, whichever free kick, you know, kick off after safety or a punt, scrimmage kick, a kick is a kick until it is possessed or blown dead by rule. In other words, if they just let it roll, it stops. You'll see them kill it. But uh, the muff makes it a kick, and then the rule is you cannot advance a kick, you know, once you secure it. Once he gains possession gotcha. and becomes a runner, then it's a running play. Gotcha. Okay. That is SEC replay official Gerald Hodges, whose appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines & Company. They've been selling building materials since, well, since anyone can remember. They celebrated earlier this year their 100th anniversary. With Vince Ferrar, I'm Jimmy Heim, Sports Talk. On 99.1, the sports animal. Over 20 years of the top-rated afternoon sports show in Tennessee. This is Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Hyams. On 99.1, the sports animal. Welcome back to Sports Talk. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Vince Farrar. We're joined by Gerald Hodges, SEC replay official. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines and Company. Gerald, is, do you think it's become harder for officials to determine forward progress? Because there are times I see these pileups and they start moving forward. you got these offensive linemen that are behind running backs that are able to push them. Has that become harder to determine forward progress for officials? Well, Jimmy, it, it, it kind of is because, you know, the rule says you can push the runner, you just can't pull it. used to be that used to be right. a foul for, for aiding the runner if you, you know, got behind him. But in today's world, 
you get the big offensive linemen that line up, you know, and just push. I was watching a little bit of Army in uh, West Virginia earlier. We saw quite a bit of that in that. But, uh, it, uh, yeah, you've got, and, of course, yeah, it always says the forward progress is supposed to be determined when the player is held so that his forward progress is stopped or, you know, as far as again, they drive, when they start driving him back, he'll get the, the forward progress. But it's, you know, you got uh, probably eight or nine or ten, 320, 30, 40 pounders up there. It's kind of hard to find the back sometimes. Yeah. All right, let's go to Reed. Reed, you're on with Gerald Hodges. Hey, Mr. Hodges. How you doing tonight? Doing well, Reed. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing fine, thank you. Listen, I've got a question about uh, when there's a replay and the referee goes over and is looking on the the little camera they bring out to him. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Sideline monitor, they call that, yes. Correct. Where is the uh, official decision coming from, the final decision? Does the referee have anything to do with it, or is it coming from Birmingham? Uh, well, it's coming mainly from the replay official in the booth at the stadium in the SEC. Uh, I see. The reason, the reason that the uh, the referee has that monitor is that in a lot of cases there may be a flag way downfield, or you know, say a runner runs out of bounds on about the three yard line, and your referee's standing, you know, at midfield or the minus forty, and. Uh, what it's really mainly for, what happens when he comes over and puts the headset on, the replay official is talking to him. So what he sees is what the replay official is looking at on his screen. In other words, if they run it forward, backward, stop it, change to a different angle, he sees all that. But the referee on the field has no input whatsoever on the decision on the play. It'll be the replay official stadium with you know, collaboration with uh, the video center at Birmingham. Thank you very much, Mr. Hodges. I always wondered about that. You have a great All right. New Year's. Appreciate Year. it. Be safe. All right, Reed. Thank, Thank you. Let's go to Tom. Tom, you're on with Gerald Hodges. Hey, guys. Hey, Gerald. I just got a question. You, you said you watched a little bit of the West Virginia game. How about the uh, Tulsa-Mississippi State? you watch any of it? I did not see that. I saw a little read. You talk about after the game? All right. That's my question. I mean, if you watch the end of that game, can there be uh, criminal charges for, for like, fights the way that was? It, it, it was unbelievable. I just – I did not see the end of the game, but I did – I saw a little bit of clip of it a little bit, I guess, in between games. But uh, – that well, I mean, obviously there could be maybe criminal charges. Typically, I'm sure both conferences will will have copies of that uh, that video and probably already have it. Uh, and I, I can assure you there will be some repercussions. Jimmy, did you see the end of that game? I did. I sure did. You don't think uh, that number four? I mean, do you not think there should be criminal charges? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, be opposed to it. He also had criminal charges. He was arrested for DUI and driving without a license before the season. And I just read a story that said Mike Leach didn't even punish him for that. 
Are you yes, when you kick a guy on the ground, that's number four. Yeah, number four. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Number four. Yeah, that's what I'm and talking then about. ran. Yeah, he jumped up yeah. and ran. Yeah, that was real brave, yeah. wasn't it? Here, here's yeah. the other oh, thing yeah. too, Gerald. Uh, Gerald, let me ask you this: What if they determined that there were 50 Mississippi State players involved in the fight? Could they, at the start of next year, would they stagger their suspensions or their sitting out for a game or a half? How, how would you do that? Do you well, know? the rule states that if you have eligibility left, and it specifically mentions bowl games, if they decide to suspend ever how many players that were in that fight, those players, it says the next game, there's no... You know, you can't pick and choose when you serve your suspension. So whoever was in that and, you know, they decide to suspend them, they may be very shorthanded next year, the first game. Well, yeah, they may be under the 53 threshold we had this year because there were a ton of Mississippi <laughs> right. State players right. yeah. that were involved in that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to also ask you about this, and, and, and I know that you – this is a tough call – but I was watching one game where a guy clearly picked another receiver as a pick play, but the receiver caught the ball at the line of scrimmage. So basically the question is, is a pick play legal if the reception is at or behind the line of scrimmage? It is. It's the same as a, uh, a screen pass. And the way they rule that, if the ball is caught at the line of scrimmage, it's considered to be behind the line of scrimmage. And they have a line of scrimmage expanded, which a neutral zone expanded, which is basically about a yard. And if they catch it pretty much within a yard of where the ball was snapped, then uh, blocking downfield is legal. Yeah, I saw that. It just doesn't look right to me because the block occurred downfield two or three yards, the pick, and the reception was at the line of scrimmage. And I thought, man, that just – I understand. I, I get it's a rule, but I guess I don't like that rule when you can pick somebody three yards down the line of scrimmage, and that's okay as long as the catch is at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that uh, and as we talked about earlier today, Jimmy, uh, the best way to get a rule changed is to you know plays like that, and you know if enough there again, the, the rules committee is comprised pretty much of coaches. Granted, they they're up through all four or five divisions, you know, the FCS, FBS, you know, divisions two and three of the NCAA. And, uh, but, you know, if, if it gets to be too big a problem, then it, it will be changed. The rules do get changed. Like, you know, they talk about the fourth down fumble rule, something like that. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hey, hey, Gerald, thank you so much for joining us. We've appreciated it. You've been a, a tremendous asset to us throughout the year explaining the rules. You do a great job of explaining them, and uh, and I want to thank you for that. And I also want to wish you and your family a happy new year. Uh, enjoy the rest of the holidays, and we will hopefully look forward to you joining us again next fall during football season. That will be great. Uh, Vince, Jimmy, both of you all have a happy new year and safe travels. Thank you. Same to you. And that is Gerald Hodges. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines and Company. They've been selling building materials since, well, since anyone can remember. They also celebrated their 100th anniversary earlier this year.